So your years of life experience, communicating with people, problem solving, that all goes into the value delivering as well. It's not just, you know, maybe they were in technical school for a year and they've been in the field for another year. They've got a lot more they're bringing to the table than just two years of you know, technical training and experience. Everything about us as human beings, you know, our, our character, our integrity, our willingness to, to, to extend ourselves emotionally and professionally to help out these homeowners. You're bringing all that stuff to bear. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I am Brian, your host, and I'm here joined by special guest host today, Aaron Buckwalter. Aaron hit that button himself, by the way. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Brian. Thank you for having me. It's kind of different sitting on this side of the table versus uh, being a guest, which I think I was the very first guest on your show. Yep, and the first guest to be on a second time, and now... The first guest to be on a third time. Another record. Yep. Much appreciated. Thank you. And uh, we have special, special guest today. We're joined by Weldon Long, uh, or will be shortly, to talk about getting paid for what you know, as opposed to the common misconception that we as technicians get paid for just for what we do. That's correct. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. We, we kind of... The first time I remember the first time you and I watched the video, and, and we'll play that a little later on once Wellen joins us. But um, what an impactful video that was for me! I know watching it for the first time, it painted a, a great picture of what you know a technician is worth, uh, not only to the company but but to the homeowner as well. Um, you know, as I think about it, Brian, you know when we were looking at. Uh, you know, different analogies and, and you're a king of analogy and, you know, to look at that video and see exactly how, you know, and, and we'll play it shortly for you guys. But, you know, when you, when you listen to that, and unfortunately it, it is a video you can jump on YouTube and watch, but uh, it's going to be audio video or audio for you guys here today. Um, but just think about, you know, who this person is that is actually asking for the price. It's, it's, it's a nuclear engineer, and we'll get into it a little bit more down the road, but this guy is a professional. He's obviously had years and years and years of schooling. He actually designed and built this nuclear power plant. Um, and interestingly enough, even the power plant was asking for a price breakdown. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> even then there was enough value built. That's exactly right. And so, yeah, avoid, you know, evacuating a town and, and uh, another Chernobyl. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't care what you do in this industry, be it, um, be it a call taker, a manager, a service tech, uh, apprentice, uh, doesn't really matter. A comfort advisor, you have heard a client say that they felt like they paid too much for the service. Correct. There's no, there's no level of, of um, this industry where you're not going to hear that at some point. Correct. 
Yeah. And the reality is, you know, there's, there's a difference between overpaying and not seeing the value in what you're purchasing. And, you know, really, I think at the heart of it, Brian, when it gets down to it, what we're really talking about is we're, we're talking about building the value that you see in yourself and then transferring that to the homeowner. Yep. And then yourself and your company and your product and the way you and your company stand behind that product. And it, it truly doesn't matter how low your price is. Because I remember working at a company that charged $70 an hour. First hour was covered by the first 70 uh, a drain, drain, drain cleaning company. Mm. One of the, one of the first companies I worked for, it was $70 to show up. That gave you 59 minutes for me to start finding and cabling drains. And it, if it took three hours, it was 210 bucks. So <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm guessing they're not around anymore. <laughs> uh, no, they're not around anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, but guess what I heard after spending two hours clearing a drain? It's real. It's really a hundred and forty dollars yep, to do that. You didn't even use any parts. Yep. Whew. So that's incredible. Yeah. So for you guys thinking you can't, you know, or your managers or whoever thinking you can't raise your prices to meet the incredible uh, price raises of all the materials in our industries, um, because you're going to chase your customers away. At the end of the day, your, your most clients have no idea what this is supposed to cost. Right. The idea is not to not raise your prices to cover your expenses. It's to raise the value that your the people we serve receive as a result of paying those prices. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I you know there's there's so much there's so much value that uh, as the technician, I mean the the amount of training that goes into that, and you know one of the biggest things I get, and and I do get calls on occasion from customers saying, hey you know what, I, can you give me a price breakdown on this? Or can you explain why it's so expensive? And, you know, in, in today's world, and, and really the industry, I think, has trained a lot of these customers to think about, you know, a time and material mentality. They, they look at what a material cost, they look at how much time the technician was uh, spent there. And unfortunately, they, they don't understand or, or do the math on what's all involved in that price and what it takes to train a technician, um, not only on a daily, but also throughout the course of, of their career. Um, you know, in the HVAC world, what we're seeing a lot of is the, the equipment is changing quite a bit. Um, it's becoming more advanced. So what does that mean? We have to continue with ongoing training, education, um, you know, whether that's bringing in outside personnel to train, we hire people to come in and do training, uh, even Brian, when, when you do training, uh, it, it costs money. So, I mean, all those things are associated with, as it should. Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously <laughs> should probably come. I'm thinking about raising my prices as it were. <laughs> um, all those things are associated with a cost and, and, you know, the, the product that we're installing, um, the time it spends, you know, you spend to diagnose, uh, th that's all associated with the price that is presented to the, to the homeowner. So, you know, it's important for technicians, plumbers, electricians to understand their value and not just look at it from a standpoint of, you know, the here and now, in other words, that the time spent on that job. 
Um, there's so much more that's involved that goes into it. And they really do need to value their time um, and put a price tag to that time. So um, I think that's one of the things that we're going to get into today. Uh, I'm excited about that. You know, Wally, Weldon, he's lovingly called Wally. Um, Wally does, a, uh, you know, an excellent job in terms of, of explaining that, at least in the video. And I'm excited to hear him push that out more. That makes two of us. <clears throat> I've had um, a couple short conversations with Wally. Met him once in either Orlando or Vegas at the franchise I think. Um, conference. And once when a few local tri-brands here went in together to get him to come. Probably met us, I don't know, maybe in Philly or close to Philly and several companies went in together to have him train for two days. Yeah, I think I, that's the first time I think I met him face to face. Yeah. I saw him up on stage, I believe it was in Orlando. Um, I think he, he spoke at at, uh, at one of our congresses. But um, yeah, I think I think you're right, Brian. That was the first time we got a chance. And what he did was basically walk through his his training, um, which was, was fantastic. We actually spent, or, or sent, I should say, I think a, about a dozen people from our shop right, uh, down to, to hear him and to learn uh, from his two-day two day course. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was uh, <clears throat> fun and impactful. 100%. Everybody took quite a bit out of that. So yep. I've wanted to – he's one of the first guests I thought – I would really like to have on once we finally decided to do the podcast and then open it up to guests outside of the building here. Yep. Uh, he was he was top three people that came to mind. And since we already got Tom Hopkins on, <laughs> I put him in top two. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So without further ado, I don't want to I don't want to talk too much about the subject and take away from what Wally has to say. Uh, we definitely want to play at least the audio of this video before we bring him in. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we, we choose to make this an audio-only podcast so that nobody in the field throughout their day is tempted to look over at the screen to see something while they're listening to this wonderful, wonderful show. So last thing we want to have is somebody glance their eyes off the road while they're getting that windshield time. I hope this has a big impact on somebody or everybody who listens to it. And again, if this podcast does something for you, subscribe, set to auto download, like it, give us a five-star review and share it with a friend. Awesome. Without further ado, let's bring in Wally. As professionals in the heating and air conditioning business, if you want to be seen as a pro, you got to be a pro. And one of the things you got to understand is that you don't get paid for what you do, you get paid for what you know. You know, back in the 1980s, in the former Soviet Union, many of you may remember there was a nuclear plant at Chernobyl that melted down. What many of you may not know is that there was a second plant a couple of months later that almost the same thing happened. The plutonium rods began to overheat. But this time, instead of just sitting back to see what happens, they got a German guy that designed and engineered the plant. They got him on the phone and they said, man, you need to get out here and make sure this thing does not melt down. We cannot have another Chernobyl. 
So the guy gets in the plane, he flies to Moscow, and I take him out to the plane. When he gets to the plane, it's total chaos. I mean, alarms are going off, red lights are flashing, they've abandoned the plane, they're evacuating the town. I mean, this is potential total nuclear devastation. But this guy walks in, cool as a cucumber, goes down about six flights of stairs, and goes down in the basement, basically the bowels of this nuclear plane. They've got these cooling towers that basically house the plutonium rods to keep them cool. And he's right there at ground zero. I mean, if this thing overheats, if this thing melts down, he's going to go in a flash. But he walks right through all this chaos. He walks up to a big wall. There's all these valves and all these gauges. The guy looks at the wall for a second. He looks at one particular gauge, one particular valve. He reaches in and he closes the valve. Instantaneously, the pressures start coming down. The temperatures start coming down. Total nuclear devastation avoided. So the guy goes back to Germany, and about a month later, he sends a bill to the Soviet government. When he sends the invoice, it's a one-line item invoice. It says, averting nuclear disaster, $100,000. So they get the bill, and they say, $100,000? You weren't here but 15 minutes. We want a detailed breakdown of your invoice. So he sends the Soviet government another invoice. This time, there's two line items. The first line said, closing valve and averting nuclear disaster, $1. The second line said, knowing which valve to close, $99,999. In the residential heating and air conditioning business, you don't get paid just for what you do. You get paid for your years of experience. So the next time a homeowner asks you to drop the price, you gotta think like a nuclear service technician. You gotta think like a professional. You gotta remember, you get paid for knowing which valve to close. All right, we want to welcome uh, Weldon, aka Wally Long, to the show. That uh, video, which which played as an audio, was was very impactful to me, myself, and, and so many people here. And um, truth be told, when I go speak at trade shows, or I'm sorry, trade schools, I um, actually play that video to the to the would be service techs that are coming up and getting ready to get out into their own trucks. So, welcome, Wally. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. And uh, it's good to know you're getting such good usage out of that video. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a favorite among our technicians here. We, we probably circle back to it like once a quarter, just played in our meetings. Yeah. yeah, it's such an important thing for guys in our industry to remember. You know, we've all had the experience to go to someone's house and you go in and do a diagnostic. And, you know, because of the years of experience and training and all those expensive tools, you know, in your truck, that you go in and you can do it in a very short period of time, you know, 15 minutes, maybe you can figure out something. And the homeowner's like, you know, $89 for a diagnostic. You're only here 10 minutes as if somehow they would be better off if it took you several hours to figure out the problem, you know? So, uh, it really is interesting in terms of, uh, you know, value and, uh, and perceived value, you know, the, the homeowner value only exists if they can see it. And unfortunately they can't see your training. They can't see your experience. They don't even see those tools in your truck, you know, and so they don't place a lot of value on it. So it's up to us to make sure that they understand that, you know, we're getting paid not just for the, the, the time. In fact, least uh, of all about the time. It's the years of training experience, et cetera. It's interesting. Years ago, I was doing an event out in Las Vegas for a financial services company, and I kind of shared a version of that story for that, for that, uh, that group. And when I came off, stage and went backstage one of the stage hands was taken off my microphone and he goes yeah i had to go down and get a some work done on my teeth you know a root canal or whatever it was and the dentist said it's going to take about a half an hour and it'll cost about 1500 bucks 
And he said, I, I, went, I turned to the dentist and I'm like, you're going to charge me 1500 bucks for a half an hour's worth of work. And the dentist responded, well, I, I can make it take longer if you want. You know, so none <laughs> <laughs> of the challenge we're up against with some homeowners. Yeah, it is funny. And, I, and I'd like to love to get into your past a little before we get too far into the subject today. But uh, it is funny to me that we can go over to, you know, Lancaster General Hospital around the corner here for stitches and be in and out of there in 25 minutes, including sitting in the waiting room and get that bill for $1,500 and nobody blinks an eye. Yeah. We bring the well, hospital to your home. Absolutely. And again, it's, it's value perception. You can see those stitches, you know, you can see that cut before the stitches. So people don't complain about that. Unfortunately, so much, you know, just, you know, generally speaking, we're working on the infrastructure of the home people don't see. So there's just, not a lot, a lot of perception. There's not a perceived value. So it's up to us to make sure that we, that we walk and we care ourselves and we see ourselves, which I hope we get a chance to talk about this because I think ultimately it really comes down to how do I perceive myself before I can have any expectations from my homeowner. I got to understand how I see myself and how that translates into so much of what I'm feeling and doing and, and experiencing. Yeah. That is the tough part when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you hear, um, kind of, um, newer technicians immediately revert to, I don't make up the prices. It's, it's the company. And you, you just know when you hear that. Um, and it's unfortunate and sad that they have very little value in themselves as highly trained technicians that spent years of their lives getting to this point. Absolutely. And, and even, even with newer technicians, I always tell them, like, listen, you know, you're not an accident. You got here today on purpose. So your years of life experience, communicating with people, problem solving, that all goes into the value delivering as well. It's not just, you know, maybe they were in technical school for a year and they've been in the field for another year. They've got a lot more they're bringing to the table than just two years of you know, technical training and experience. Everything about us as human beings, you know, our, our character, our integrity, our willingness to, to, to extend ourselves emotionally and professionally to help out these homeowners. You're bringing all that stuff to bear. So it's not just about the years you've been in the field. A hundred percent right. Um, everything goes into that. And, and um, I mean, what you did in high school should, should play a part in that. Like if you played Absolutely. sports and, and you've become more of a critical thinker, that plays a part into that. Everything, I would assume, from birth till now plays a part in who you are as a technician and your ability to either fix this job or not fix it. And let's face it, many companies go out and fix it poorly and it costs that homeowner, well, I shouldn't say companies, but certainly like handymen will come out and do it for half the price. That right. job will become worse. They'll pay an insurance deductible and then have to go find a real quote unquote expensive company to do it right the second time after they spend all this extra money. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about where you came from, um, I, I know the story very well. I've read, read your books and seen you a couple times and even been fortunate enough to uh, meet and get a picture of you that I tagged you in on Facebook shamelessly <laughs> about uh, 30 minutes before we started here. <laughs> I saw that. I appreciate it. Good. <laughs> you were the good looking guy in the picture. I'm sure you realized. The guy with all the hair, right? <laughs> So, um, yeah, tell us, tell us about your past and how you came in, into the industry and, um, yeah, Stephen Covey and all that good stuff. It's exciting. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a crazy story. As you mentioned, I've written uh, three books and, uh, at this point, 
in my life, I've owned maybe five or six different HVAC and plumbing companies. I own another one here in Colorado Springs. Now I tell people I'm a glutton for punishment. So I stay on the contracting side as well. Uh, I also tell people that uh, 10 years ago when I sold my last company, uh, I told my wife, I said, listen, if I ever even think about getting back into the HVAC business on the contracting side, you know, I do a lot in the speaking, the training and that side of it. But if I ever even think about getting on the contracting side again, I want you to like shoot me, right? <laughs> problem, <laughs> problem is I divorced that wife and forgot to tell the new wife. <laughs> so when it came up a couple of years ago, she thought it was a grand idea. So here I am again, <laughs> back in the, the contracting side of the business, which listen, I wouldn't trade for all the tea in China because the reality is it's a great industry. I've had a, I've had a wonderful career and the industry has been extremely kind and generous uh, to me, but that's not where I started, right? That's kind of where I, where I ended up. The first half of my life was very difficult. I spent 25 years of my life broke and homeless. I spent 13 years in prison, uh, starting in 1987 as a 23 year old kid. I pulled a gun on a guy, and went to prison for about four and a half years. I got out, went back a couple of years later on parole violations, got out again. Uh, by that time I was 30 years old, had, you know, two felonies on my record. I was a ninth grade high school dropout. Not many skills, not much opportunity, and got a job doing some sketchy telemarketing. Did that for a couple of years, then one day the feds rolled in and was indicted on federal money laundering and mail fraud charges and had to go to the federal joint then for seven years. So that total from 1987 until 2003, which was the last time that I uh, was in prison, over that 16 or 17 year period, I spent 13 of those years in prison. I walked out of prison in January of 2003 at 39 years old. Uh, to a homeless shelter. And that's kind of where I, I started. And I uh, knocked on doors for about six months, eventually happened to knock on the door of a contracting company here in Colorado Springs. And I got a job as a comfort advisor, didn't know the first thing about heating and air conditioning, got kind of a crash course over the course of a full week <laughs> in the field with the installers and started running the leads and uh, went out that very first, actually came across my day planner recently, the page in my day planner in July of 2003, which was my first month in the field, and sold $149,000 of air conditioners and furnaces, my very first month in the, in the field. Made a ton of money and uh, was not long for that homeless shelter, as you can imagine. So the industry from there, I did that for about a year, ended up opening my own company, built that, sold that in 2010. I've been speaking, writing, consulting in the industry uh, since then. And uh, like I said, a couple of years ago, my brother-in-law opened a, a company here in Colorado Springs and just kind of getting that off the ground. This is our second full year and things are going pretty, pretty well. Oh, congratulations. That Thank you say you. your brother-in-law, yeah. that's your current wife's brother. That's my current, well, that's my current wife's sister's husband. Sister's, so okay. uh, he and I are married to sisters. Okay. That's really cool that uh, you can bring yeah. your family in like that. Yeah, well, put really cool in quotes there because working with family has its challenges. Who's <laughs> <laughs> working with family knows. And uh, I really did it for him. He's a great guy, not a heating and air conditioning guy, but just a great guy and uh, wanted to, to help him, you know, get up every day and work in his own dream. He was a hardworking guy working for another big company called Insituform. They do big, big uh, commercial uh, uh, plumbing projects and, and, uh, and sewage projects for cities and municipalities and that kind of stuff, relining these big, you know, five foot sewer pipes and city water pipes. Uh, but anyway, and then, you know, I, of course I am so busy. I don't have time to run a company like that anymore. Uh, and I'm not, you know, mechanically inclined. I don't really understand the mechanical side except enough to be able to design a system and calculate some combustion air and, 
you know, maybe size from ductwork or that type of thing. So actually, uh, my old operations manager from 10, 15 years ago happened to come by my house to do some work. And I said, hey, if you'll do this with us, you run the operations, we'll give you a percentage of the company. And, and we were off and running. So the three of us kind of came together and they run it. And I, you know, I meet with them once or twice a week. And we, I do all the sales training, obviously, that type of thing. But they, they run the day in, day out operations and they do a pretty good job. That's awesome, Wally. That's, that's an incredible story. I mean, from a standpoint of, of getting paid for what you know, I mean, clearly you have a lifetime worth of knowledge that you've acquired over that time, um, both good and bad. And I, I guess I, I'm interested to hear how did, you know, from what you learned in that time period when, when you were in jail um, to, I mean, in your words, a, a three-time, you know, strikeout loser to, to the yep. point where you're at today. I mean, you know, that, that video for me personally was very, very impactful um, because a lot of times you know, we're not necessarily going to be the cheapest guy in the industry, um, but we have to be able to communicate that to the homeowner. So, I mean, from your standpoint, how did you take life lessons and kind of come up with the video that you put together um, to be able to translate that to the homeowner themselves? Yeah. So you got to kind of go back in time to uh, June of 1996, actually, when I was in federal prison. Uh, June 10th of 1996, my father died. And that was kind of my wake-up call. That was my moment of clarity. I was, at that time, I was 32 years old. I was just starting seven years in the federal penitentiary. And uh, and my dad died very young, 59 years old, unexpectedly. And that was my moment of clarity. I had a three-year-old son that I had fathered when I'd been out on parole. I had abandoned him. My father was dead. And I was the guy in the middle, you know, in the three generations. And I had to come to terms of, you know, what was I going to do with my life? And I made a decision that I was going to become a man that my father could have been proud of. And I was going to become the father that my little boy deserved who at the time was only three years old. So I set out this journey with seven years left to go in prison, trying to find out what does it take to be successful? You know, what does it take to to live a, a productive life, an honorable life, to make money, to have a successful business? And I started studying what successful people do. And I started doing that. And there were two really important things that I learned. And one of those was kind of the obvious thing. I learned how to sell. Uh, and before we started this recording, we were talking about my dear friend, Tom Hopkins. I know he's part of this project that you guys are working on. And I learned how to sell from Tom Hopkins. And there were several others, you know, Brian Tracy and, and Zig Ziglar and all kind of the classic, you know, thinkers and writers uh, in, in the sales and business building industry. And then the other key thing was the mindset. I, I learned through that stuff how important it was to be thinking the right things. And uh, I realized in, in doing a lot of reading and studying, the first notion that I ever had of that, I remember reading a Frederick Nietzsche quote, and Nietzsche said, we attract that which we fear. And I thought that, well, that's nonsense. Why would I attract things in my life that I don't want, things that I fear? You know. So I kind of dismissed it. And a couple of months later, was randomly flipping through the Bible and came across a scripture in Job. And Job had proclaimed, you know, Father, that which I have feared has come upon me. And I said, well, now that's, that's kind of interesting. They're saying the same thing there, right? That they attract that which, you know, we fear. And of course, Job was a God-free man. Nietzsche was an atheist. They were separated by thousands of years, and yet they were saying the exact same thing. We attract that which we fear. That which I have feared has come upon me. So I started thinking it was the first uh, kind of uh, episode in my life where I started thinking about what I think about before I think about it, which I teach every day now. And in my book, The Power of Consistency, I talk a lot about that. you got to think about what you're thinking about before you think about it. Because I began to understand the relationship between my thoughts and my reality. 
And so I started thinking about, well, what do I fear the most in my life? Well, I sat down and wrote on a sheet of paper. I fear living and dying in prison, never being a father to my son, being a loser, being broke and homeless, et cetera, et cetera. And I looked around at my life and guess what? My life was a perfect mirror image of those habitual fears and thoughts. So I realized I got to start thinking about other things. And I started studying the relationship, the, the neuroscience really between our thoughts and how those thoughts trigger chemical reactions in the brain, which trigger the, re the emotions. And of course, those emotions drive our behaviors, our actions, and those actions produce the results. But it all begins with the thought. And the, the, the reason that's so important with relation to this video is that you know, we do have to get paid for what we know, not just for what we do. But before we can get paid for what we know, we have to understand our value, right? You know, we, we talked about going, you mentioned earlier, going down to the hospital and getting the stitches. Listen, you don't have to tell doctors that they get paid for what they know. They got a God complex, right? They don't have, <laughs> they don't have a low self-esteem issue, right? So, you know, they understand, they want to get paid for what they know and for what you know and for what half the world knows, right? They got no issues with that. But unfortunately, you know, we don't always see ourselves in this industry as professionals. And the reality is we are professionals. Professionals, by definition, means there's an established uh, path to learning. There is an established path to executing on your duties. There's constant re-education. There's constant ongoing learning. Well, all of those things are true in our industry. And we're professionals every bit as much as the doctor, the lawyer, or the dentist, or, or whatever the case may be. And when you, you, you think about how important it is for us to see ourselves as having that value. Again, value is perceived or not by consumers, in this case, homeowners. They don't perceive the value because they don't see the education, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to project that value and they have to see that value, as you mentioned earlier, by the way, in us, not just my company, but they have to see the value in me. Why is that important? Well, anytime you have a thought in your brain, it sends a, a signal to a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. When the hypothalamus receives the impulse, basically a little lightning bolt from that thought, because your brain is this very powerful electromagnetic field, that little lightning bolt of energy goes into the hypothalamus. It begins to secrete a chemical, which triggers the emotion. So in other words, you know, if we get frightened or you get angry, your brain starts producing epinephrine and adrenaline, and you have a frightened, angry emotion. If you're very happy and you have a very warm and loving thought, your brain starts producing dopamine and endorphins, and you have a happy and loving, warm emotion. The emotions are always related to our thoughts. And then, of course, the emotions trigger how we respond to a situation and those actions that produce the results. So if I walk into a house and my thought is, woe is me, I'm just the lonely old HVAC guy, what kind of emotion, just logically, without being a neuroscientist, what type of emotion chemically is that going to produce in my brain, in my body? A very disempowering emotion. I'm just the HVAC guy. These are the masterful homeowners. Here we go again, you know, and we, we, we begin to reflect that emotion in, in our body language, in our tone of voice and everything that we do. So now that emotion, that disempowering emotion, because, hey, I'm just the HVAC guy. Now I just feel like I'm just the lowly HVAC guy. That now manifests itself in our behaviors, the way we talk, the way we walk, the, the, the tone of our voice, the authority in our body language, in our tone of voice. And that, of course, produces results. So now the homeowner is going to see me as a reflection of my behavior, which, of course, my behavior is a reflection of my emotional state. 
And my emotional state is typically a reflection of my thoughts. So that's why I, I believe it's so important that we see ourselves as the, the, the professional, you know, that, that we have our, our, our chest out and our, and our, and our shoulders high and, you know, we're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about confidence, a well-deserved, uh, a hard-earned confidence when we walk in that house, when we knock on that door, whatever the case may be. That's why I say to get paid for what you know, you got to believe it first. If we don't see ourselves as skilled professionals in the same way as the physician or the lawyer or anybody else, if we don't see ourselves as professionals, there's no way we can expect homeowners to because we're never going to project that authority because our manifest behaviors are simply a reflection of our emotions, which are a reflection of our thoughts. You've got to think as yourself, of yourself as the professional, as the competent professional before anybody else will. And that's why I say that, that it all starts like with that thought. And to get paid for what you know, you got to project that. 100%. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point, Wally. And, you know, I, I, when training our technicians, I, I call that being the man. Got to go in and be the man in the home. And that's not, to your point, that's not an arrogant statement. It's so you're walking in with the confidence knowing you are there to take care of them. You're there to solve their solution. If they could fix it themselves, they would have taken care of it themselves. Um, but it is a projection in terms of I got a lot of years of, of you know, experience, schooling behind me. Uh, and I'm here to serve you and take care of you in the exact same way that if the doctor was about to put some stitches in you and he was, he or she was acting really timid, really confused, a little, a little shy, a little nervous, asking you what you thought you would, uh, immediately run out of that hospital. Absolutely. Imagine you, you got some health problems and you walk into the doctor's office. The doctor says, man, you, you got a lot of issues here. Well, what do you think we should do? <laughs> like how much confidence would you have in your doctor? You expect your doctor to have those answers or those options. About 10, 15, uh, 10, 12 years ago, I had, um, I was getting uh, just an annual physical and my doctor felt some lumps in my throat and he goes, I'm going to send you out for, you know, uh, an exam, to, uh, you know, whatever test they do, they, they, um, they put you in a dark room and they put this camera on your throat and they start taking these pictures and they found these 15 little, what they call nodules, little tiny lumps. So they said, well, there's something going on. We need to send you to another doctor. They sent me to another doctor. I walk into his office and it says oncologist. And even a, you know, 103 IQ high school dropout like me understands an oncologist as a cancer doc, you know? So they take what they call uh, fine needle biopsies. They put about 20 needles in my neck and they take out little samples of your, basically everything in your throat and they pull it out and they, put it on whatever test they do and they find out if it's cancer or not. They come back a few days later and they tell me it's 50, 50% chance it's cancer. I'm like, you don't even know. You, know, you took half my throat. You don't know, but this is my third or fourth doctor. Finally, they send me to this, the fourth or fifth doctor and he sits down he goes, you know, he goes through my records. He asked me a few questions. He asked me what I was concerned about. And at the end of the conversation, he says, you know what, here's what I'm going to recommend. And here's why. And for the first time in six months, I felt like I was talking to somebody who knew what was going on, right? And he said, I'm going to recommend we just remove your entire thyroid because these lumps are in your thyroid. If it's cancer, then we're removing your entire thyroid and we throw it away and you don't have to worry about the cancer in your body. If we go in and take small sections of your thyroid, we run the risk of slicing open a cancer cell 
that jumps over to your lymph node system, now you've got serious problems because right now it's all contained in the thyroid. And he said, now we could ignore it for a year or so. He goes to these options, but he goes, my recommendation is we do one surgery, remove the entire thing and be done with it. And that's what we did. Turns out it was cancer, but it was out of my body. There was no slicing and dicing going on the side of my body. So everything was gone. I take a little pill. You live without your thyroid. My, my point is, is that we got to be the same way in the house. We have to have that confidence. People get all kind of information. You know, God forbid they go on the Internet because they're going to get more confusing information. They're going to get wrong information. They're going to get downright lies. They might fall into some accurate information here and there. But in many cases, they are confused. What they need is a trusted professional to come in and to extend themselves emotionally and professionally through a thorough diagnostic, project that confidence you're talking about, be the man inside the house, and then make a series of recommendations from a place of professionalism and confidence. That's what the homeowners need. Because they're getting information from all across the board. They got to have somebody they can count on. That somebody's got to be us. Decisive action. Absolutely. That's from a professional. It really is. I, I have a neighbor, um, BJ, who, who lives across the street from me. When I moved into the neighborhood, <clears throat> I had a, uh, a uh, one-hour vehicle helping me move some of my stuff over. And the first thing he said was, that's a heating and air company. I said, yep, heating and air. And he said, man, I had one of your competitors out three times to try to fix my 15 year old HVAC system. The third time I said, why don't, can we please just replace it? And the guy said, let me try this one more thing. And he (laughs) fixed it. And two weeks later it went out again and he called Mm -hmm. another HVAC company out to come and replace it. He said, I don't want him to try to fix it. I just want you to come and change it out. Give me a price. And that was it. Now, no decisive action, no, I don't, I don't know what, what you're lacking when you're, when you're beating your head against it like that. But to me, it was, it was the other doctors that are saying, well, let's take this piece out and let's take that piece out. Right. Instead of the one doctor just saying, here's how easy it's going to be if we just, you know, do the big job. Now it's a little more expensive. It's probably a little more involved with that surgery, but you're done. Right. Who, who wants to risk having three or four more of those little surgeries and open up a cancer cell or something like that? It's just. Absolutely. Well, and in my situation, uh, every time they do that surgery, they go perilously close to your vocal cords. I make my living with my voice. Uh, and so I explained that to him and he said, listen, if we go in and do these micro surgeries, every time we go in, we run the risk of clipping the vocal cord, which by the way, does not grow back. Right. right. It's a nerve. So uh, that was another one of the reasons he rep- rec- recommended the single surgery, which was very customized to my situation. Listen, with our service technicians, you know, we train them to fix things, and so they fix things. And you have some technicians that are really great at the communication side of it. And, you know, there was a time 15 years ago, 20 years ago, to make a great living in this industry, you just need to be a great technician. Well, times have changed, and now you got to be a great technician and a fantastic communicator if you want to really be at the top performing level in this industry. Absolutely. And 100%. sometimes they don't, they don't have that. And by the way, if I can just do a quick plug, since we're talking about, you know, the tri brands, uh, you know, one hour and Mr. Sparky and uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin, we actually just uh, closed a deal with authority brands. who is the parent company, the parent franchise, I guess, franchisor. And we, I developed an app called rehashleads.com and they actually have purchased, uh, two users for every one of their franchises. And that Rehash Leads app, among other things, automates the repair versus replace conversation for our technicians. In other words, while they're working on a system, they can say, 
they can tap their app and say, hey, Mr. Homeowner, I want to send some information. And it's me having a conversation as I'm putting this in air quotes, Wally, the home comfort guy, talking to the homeowner about why they should replace that system rather than doing endless repairs. So even if the technician doesn't have the communication skills with a tap of a button, I can be having that conversation with the homeowner. It also automates the sales follow-up process after our comfort advisors run the initial sales call. And it's really a cool deal for you guys because Authority Brands has purchased two users for every franchise. And you can add more users, which is what we hope people will do, but it's a great way. So if you guys don't know about that, I, mean, I don't know who you check with. Uh, at, I don't know if it's uh, Mark Dawson or who you check with at Authority Brands, but uh, we've been rolling this program out and, and it's free to you guys to get started. Yeah, we are actually very familiar with it, um, I would say, for the other um, branches of One Hour, Ben Franklin and Mr. Sparky. Contact your your uh, FBS. Okay. FBC, I'm sorry, your field field business consultant, and they'll uh, they'll show you how to get onto it. Yeah, cool. no, I, 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 that's an exciting thing, Wally. I think from a standpoint of allowing our technicians to kind of walk through that process, I mean, particularly the scenario that Brian just talked about with his neighbor, um, is going to be a huge benefit. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, yeah, we are too. And I hope uh, everybody gets a chance to at least sample it while it's free uh, from authority brands. And then it can make a decision what they want to do longer term. So, I mean, from a standpoint, for for those that are listening that uh, don't know a whole lot about uh, this app that you developed and we're kind of, I guess, uh, demoing, tell us a little bit more about how it works and and uh, yeah. Yeah. Before, yeah, no. before we get there for our listeners who are not in the tri brands, this is not just for one hour, Ben Franklin, and Mr. Sparky, correct? Right. Uh, anybody who's interested, go to rehashleads.com and get more information. Uh, the, the tri brand is just something that, 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 that you guys have, uh, done with our company with rehash and set it up to where everybody gets, uh, a free year with two users so they can kind of see if they want to, they want to use it. So, but yeah, it's available to everybody on a subscription-based service. So if, if you're not a, a tri-brand company, uh, you're just an independent out there, go to rehashleads.com and you can get more information on it. But basically, you know, I, I've been speaking, training, consulting in this industry for coming up on, you know, 15, 17 years now. And as you guys know, as entrepreneurs, businessmen, you know, there's, there, there's really almost a lot of problems in business, but two of those common problems when I've been doing consulting projects is number one, getting our service technicians to consistently have the reverse replace conversation consistently every time there's an opportunity, right? The other part is, is in sales in general, uh, most salespeople are really bad about following up on their leads. After the initial call, they do a great job, but if they don't close at the initial call, you know, a lot of times it slips to the cracks. Some companies will have a rehasher that goes in and calls those customers back. Well, what the app does when COVID hit a year and a half ago, I was in the middle of a speaking tour in Florida. Everything got canceled. I came home. I'm like, what am I going to do for the next two weeks while we flatten the curve? (laughs) Turned out the two weeks was a year and a half. Um, And I'm glad I got started on it. And what happened is I came up with this idea. A friend of mine had founded a company up in Denver about seven years ago called Rapid Funnel. And that's the actual infrastructure to the app. They use it for other purposes. But I had been talking to the owner of the company, the CEO is an old friend of mine about how I might apply their technology in the HVAC industry to solve these two problems, right? The, the technicians who aren't having the repair versus replace and comfort advisors who don't always follow up as well. So we figured it out. I wrote all the campaigns. There's probably 30 different campaigns and resources in there. And basically, uh, the technician goes in the house. They have a whole list of resources that, you know, from 
from tankless you know, water to indoor air quality to ductwork, any topic they're having a conversation with with the homeowner that they don't feel super confident about having the conversation because they don't want to seem like you know too salesy, they can just say, hey, Mr. Information, uh, Mr. Homeowner, how about I send some information? And they can send a resource, which is just kind of a one-off you know, video or something, or they can drop them into a campaign, which is a couple of weeks long of multiple emails on that particular topic. Right. So what it does is generate leads and opportunities. Imagine you're a service technician, you're working on systems, you probably are thinking, man, they should really look at find a new system, but man, I'm just not good at that sales thing. You know, they your homeowner could be watching me having the repair versus replace conversation while the technician is diagnosing, you know, the existing problem. So, you know, you come back to the kitchen and the technician homeowner says, Hey, well, I just watched this video you sent me. How much is a new system? Well, those are the magic words, right? Hey, we got special trained comfort advisors. I'll have somebody come out right away and answer that question for you. So that's one side of it. There's multiple campaigns of resources. All I mean from, and you know, there's plumbing stuff in there for the the Benjamin Franklin. We're working on some electrical stuff for the Mister Parkey. Uh, and then on the other side, on the comfort advisor, you know, when they run the lead, if they don't close it, a lot of times there's still opportunities. I mean, stop and think about it. Comfort advisor runs 500 leads a year, and he or she closes 40 percent. Right? That's 200. That means there's 300 people who didn't buy from us. How many of those 300 do we think bought from somebody else? Of course, there are some of them that didn't do anything at all. But of 300, you got to figure a couple of hundred of those bought from somebody else, right? right? How many of those 200 could we have captured if we had a more consistent uh, execution on the follow-up process? Like if we were calling those homeowners, you know, every two or three days and having a brief conversation, an educational conversation about here's how you choose the right contractor. Here's why a not to purge is so important. Here's some of the horror stories of homeowners who chose the wrong contractor. So imagine if we had that. We'd get a bunch of those 200. Well, that's what the app does for you. And if you're walking out of the house, you say, hey, Mr. Homeowner, uh, I'll send some more information that you may uh, appreciate while you're making this decision. You drop them in the choosing the right contractor campaign. Now for the next two weeks, every two or three days, that homeowner is getting a video that we produce. It's already all loaded in there about how to choose the right contractor. What are some of the things you should consider? why it's important not to go to the cheapest bid, right? All these conversations over two weeks that you're educating and building a relationship with that homeowner while your competition is hoping they get a call back. Well, you're engaged in an ongoing conversation with these homeowners. And what happens, you can communicate through the app. The app rates the customer, the value of that lead from zero to 100. The more they interact with the app, the more, the more videos they watch, the more uh, interaction they have with the app, it scores them from zero to 100. When it gets to 50, you get a little red notification on your phone saying, hey, this, this is a warm lead, right? These people are watching all your content and it's, it reminds you to call them back. You can set reminders. You can check your activity every day and see which of your homeowners are watching your videos. What it does besides automate the follow-up process, it tells you who you should follow up with, right? The people that are most active. With so it's just a very cool system. We've got about 200 contractors on the platform now and it's just a really cool deal we're very excited about the authority brands deal because uh you know they saw the value in it and said hey we want this we want to give all of our franchisees you know all all, all the three brands two free users we'll pay for it. they're paying for it so they can experience the app and hopefully get more users because you might have your techs on the platform your salespeople, your comfortive our uh, your lead coordinators your csrs anybody who's communicating with a, a customer a homeowner can automate that process Right. And why, why is authority brand signed on to the project simply because they think it will close more sales for their branches. 
Absolutely. They're motivated by self-interest like we all are, right? Now, the, the fact that it's good for the franchisee and good for the homeowner, too, it's, that's, that's obviously important. But uh, like all of us, we're looking for ways to improve our, our effectiveness, our productivity. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, before we, get, before we uh, wrap up here, I wanted to talk a little bit about your books, um, uh, The Power of Consistency, at least for me, being the, the most uh, impactful, but also um, The Upside of Fear and Consistency Selling. I, I feel like yeah. I read those two books within like, I don't know, a month or two of each other. Did they come, those two come out around the same time? No, they were actually separated uh, by several years. So when I first sat down in 2007 and decided I was going to write a book on my story and the mindset and the sales techniques that changed my life and really saved my life, originally those three were one book. And it was just got to be too big of a project. Oh, wow. Actually, okay. Yeah, a friend of mine, the guy that, that started Rapid Funnel, uh, has been a mentor of mine. He's younger than me, but I met him when I was still living in a halfway house fresh out of prison. He was at a speaking event. I heard him speak and we became friends. And so he's been very helpful. And uh, his wife had had some experience in some publishing when she was out, out east years ago in New York working for publishing companies. And they advised me, this is three books you have. You've got your personal story and kind of the lessons of personal integrity and how that changed your life. And that, that became the upside of fear. And that's, that's the, the biography. That book came out in 2009. I didn't consider myself a writer at the time. But that book was selected as Writer's Digest Best Independent Book of the Year and uh, New York Book Festival's Best Autobiography of the Year. I'm like, dang, I guess I can write a little bit. And it's, it's a fascinating story. It's 25 years of insanity in prison and kind of that moment of clarity when I changed my thinking and changed my life. So that, that book came out in 2009. And then The Power of Consistency is such an important component to success. It's the mindset to be successful in sales and business, right? Not the actual skills but the mindset, the expectations of success and how our thoughts create our reality, that whole thing we talked about with thoughts, emotions, actions, and behaviors. That book came out in 2012, so I guess about three years later. And then the third book in the trilogy was the actual sales process. That honestly, is a, it, it, it's an amalgamation of everything I've learned from the Tom Hopkins and the Brian Tracy's, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, just everybody that I've, I've studied uh, what's the guy's name that wrote all the influence books? Uh, uh, Cialdini, a lot of his consistency principle in that book, uh, the consistency selling. That book came out, I want to say, in probably 2018, so about three years ago. So there's probably five or six years between the power of consistency and consistency selling. Uh, maybe maybe four or five years. I can't remember the exact publication date. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of covers everything. And, and I tell people my books are very easy to read. Uh, because they were written by a ninth grader. <laughs> so <there's no laughs> they're easy to get through. And so I've just had a lot of success. You know, con Power of Consistency hit uh, number five on uh, the New York Times bestsellers list and number two on the Wall Street Journal's business bestsellers list in, the, uh, in, in 2012 or 13, 2012, I guess, when it came out. Uh, so, you know, I've, from that, my speaking kind of expanded into different industries. I have clients now from FedEx to, the Home Depot, to Farmers Insurance, to uh, you just name it. I've got a, a client that came from that. Um, it's a $5 billion funeral home company. It's, they own about 30% of the U.S. funeral business. It's, uh, who knew the sales industry was so important to the funeral business? That's a very sales-driven industry, it's pr especially on what they call the pre-need, right? So you buy a funeral plan, like you buy life insurance before you need it. You know, you buy it many years before you need it. 
very sales driven industry at five thousand. Sure. Sales. Yeah. Be, be prepared. Don't yeah. don't saddle your family with this burden. Quote unquote. Exactly. But if you've heard that commercial, it's probably them because they're they're the big players. So, you know, things have just gone. But my heart's with the HVAC industry, as you guys probably know. I do a lot of work with EGIA, the Electric Gas Industry Association out in California. Eighty-five year old nonprofit committed to the uh, the improvement development of the heating and air conditioning. So anything energy related in, in the home type of thing. And um, you know, so it's just it's just been a crazy ride the last twenty years. Yeah, your your uh, upside of fear. You said it was. Uh... You couldn't believe how how big it was because you're not a writer. That would have been a great fiction book, and it was, <laughs> and it was a true story. I mean, it really would have your your success you know story really, would be great fiction. You know what's really interesting about what you said there? I don't know if you remember a book that came out probably out there around 2005. It was called Million Little Pieces, and I forget the guy that wrote it, but it was this crazy story of his life and being hooked on drugs and going to jail and blah blah blah. The guy gets on Oprah, thing naturally becomes a, a bestseller. They sell something like 10 million copies off of Oprah. Well, it turned out a couple of years later, around 2007, 2008, it was all bogus. Like, most of the stories weren't true. And as it turned out, he had originally presented that, uh, that to make a movie, a fictional movie. And he couldn't sell it. So he changed it and said it was an autobiography and said it was all true and wrote this book and became a bestseller. In fact, uh, he had to go back on Oprah, uh, probably 08, something like that, 07, and apologize to her and his audience that he made the whole thing up. Wow. Of course, wow. that's just old books. You yeah, know. J- James so, Frey. Yeah, James Frey. So when I was writing the manuscript to The Upside of Fear, 07 and 08, like that was very hot in the news. And so everything that I wrote in The Upside of Year, Fear is verifiable. Court records, prison records, jail records, whatever. Uh, you know, criminal records. Pro- there probably were, had to be for any publisher to touch it, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, because that was in the heat of that. It was such a crazy story. And here's the thing. There are way crazier stories that happened in my life that I didn't put in the book <laughs> because I couldn't prove it. There was no record of it. And I didn't want to ever be accused of the James Spray thing. And, you know, uh, and because it's so crazy, people will, just can't be true. It's, it's stranger than fiction. But everything is, is, is they, you know, you can document anybody, any journalist that wanted to, you know, get the police records, the prison records, the court records, <laughs> every word of it's true. It was crazy. Yeah. I, I uh, highly recommend starting with the upside of fear and work, working your way through those books. If you're, uh, if you're listening audiobooks, if you're like me, I actually do have uh, paper copies of two of your books, but I'm an audiobook guy. Just, I work out, I mow yep. my grass, whatever I'm doing. I'm, I'm usually listening to a podcast. The Waste No Day podcast, thank you, or uh, yep. or an audio book. Um, and for our techs driving around all day, <clears throat> this this show's usually an hour, hour and a half a week. So you have the whole rest of your week to listen to a nice audio book and uh, catch up <laughs> on the on the Weldon Long books. Um, before we we get uh, wrap it up here, consistency is seems to be your your word, your theme. Um, it's right. it's in the title of two of your books. It's something, it's a word I've heard you say I don't, thousands of times or, or read you say thousands of times. Um, and there's a, a great quote by you that's probably, um, oddly enough, you, you have some really good quotes that, that you can call your own. And there was one that you said, I don't even remember what book it was, but it was about being consistent in your process like you are, like you are 
driving home to the point that it, it requires yeah. no conscious thought yeah. because everybody can think about the other day driving home where they don't even remember a single block of the drive home. You just got there. Right. Um, would you, right. would you mind expanding on that a little bit in terms of our, our technicians in the home? Sure. It's really a simple concept. So as you were saying, we've all had the experience end of the day, you're driving home. And while you're driving home, you're on the phone, you might be having a cup of coffee, maybe you listen to some music, whatever. You're not thinking consciously at all about where you're going. And before you know it, you look up, you're pulling in your driveway, right? We've all had that experience where the, the drive home was second nature, but think about the very first time you went to that house or that apartment or whatever you rented or bought or whatever. You couldn't just drive without thinking about it, right? You had to have directions. You had to concentrate on those directions. But what happens over time uh, as we make that trip back and forth, eventually the directions to that house or that apartment go from our conscious brain to our subconscious brain. They become second nature, right? And so that process if you understand that process, which we've all had that experience, you can apply that to any area of your life. And let's say as a service technician or a comfort advisor, right? You know, the, the, the tri-brands all have processes. That's the one thing you guys are extremely well known for is having very effective processes. Those processes are called directions. And just like you have to concentrate on the directions to go to your house the first time, when you first start as a technician or a comfort advisor, you got to follow the directions. You'll have to concentrate. I got to say this here. I got to do this there, right? It, 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 it takes some effort, just like driving to your house the first couple of times. But if you stick with it, then the directions to be a top performing comfort advisor or a top performing uh, service technician, they go from your conscious brain to your subconscious brain and they become second nature. When they become second nature, that's when you start experience consistency. And the reason that's so important is because, and this will come as no great shock to anybody, but consistent sales results, and when I say sales results, I mean the communications part of a technician as well. Consistent sales results come from consistent sales activities. It ain't rocket science, right? Random sales results come from random sales activities. So if our results are random, some months were great, some months were not great, those are by definition random results. They're not coming from consistent activities. Doesn't happen that way. You can't do the right thing on a consistent basis and accidentally produce the wrong results. It doesn't work that way in real life. Sometimes people will produce the wrong results and try to, you know, come up with an excuse like, hey, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything like you said. No, you're not, right? Because if you were, you'd be getting these results. Let's just be honest with ourselves, right? When I'm teaching a process, whether it's a mindset process, sales process, I tell people, listen, I'm doing a, a project right now for Kubota, the tractor company. And I, I tell their executives, listen, if, if you don't like what I'm saying, you don't want to do it, just like be a grown-up and say, I don't want to do it, right? <laughs> but don't act like it's not going to work because we know consistent behaviors produce consistent results. One of the most important things I learned around that consistency is not about the size and the scope of things that we do in life. It's not about the big moments, right? It's not about you know, Christmas Day or New Year's Day or the day you get married, the day you buy that house, whatever. The, the truth is success is about how well and how often we do the little things, that consistency, right? So in sales and service to be successful, it's not about the elephant hunting, right? It's about the consistent base hits. It's about the on-base percentage, doing the small things on a consistent basis. I, I, wrote, I read something very recently in ESPN that just blew me away. I'm a huge football fan. I grew up in South Louisiana, so Lifelong New Orleans Saints fan. Of course, Drew Brees, you know, completely changed the culture and the success of that team over the last 15 years. Recently retired. 
and Jameis Winston, who used to be the quarterback for the Bucks, is probably going to be the starting quarterback this year. And they were interviewing Jameis Winston and said, what was the most important thing you learned from Hall of Famer, soon-to-be Hall of Famer Drew Brees, you know, by backing him up for a year? And what he said blew me away. He said, what I learned from Drew Brees is that football is not a results-based business. That shocked me because you would think in sports, right, yards per carry or yards per completion, the score, right, right. wins, losses, that it's a total results-driven business. I was shocked when I read that. The reporter said, well, if it's not a results-driven business, what the heck is it? He said, the most important lesson I learned from Drew Brees is that football is a process-based business. Mm-hmm. That if you execute on every play on the process, the results take care of themselves. And I just about had to laugh out loud because I can't count the times I've shown this one slide I had, taught it to thousands of people, that in sales, you have a process of sales and you have the results of sales. You have 100% control over your process, which is how well you build relationships, how well you diagnose and recommend solutions, those types of things. And then there's the result. And the homeowner's in charge of the result because the result is whether or not they sign the agreement, you know, or give the credit card or whatever the case may be, right? They make the final decision. So while we can influence the homeowner's decision by the better we do our job, the more likely they are to choose us, the reality is we got zero control over the result, the outcome. We have 100% control over the process. Our job is to diagnose problems, recommend solutions, and shut up and let the homeowner make a decision. And the more we execute on our process, and I know you guys are super process-oriented, You have a process for everything. It's one of the beauty about your franchises. And our job is to focus on that process and let the results take care of themselves, right? If it's good enough for Drew Brees, who's going to be in a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer in about five years, it ought to be good enough for us. Focus on the – ours is a process-based business. Yeah, we measure the results. We measure revenue per lead, revenue per service call. You know, all those different things, average ticket and close percent. Yeah, we measure that stuff because, you know, what gets measured gets done. You got to measure that stuff to have, you know, some, some, some basis to make decisions in business. But in a day in, day out activities for us as service technicians and comfort advisors, it's a process based business. You focus on the process, I guarantee the results will take care of themselves. That's awesome. Yeah. Would you mind going back? And, and I don't want to skip over everything else you said there, but you, the, uh, quote that I'll be writing down from my own uh, whiteboard here in front of my desk. <laughs> you said consistent actions produce consistent results. Random yep. actions produce random results. I tell people it's not rocket science. It is brain science because it's basic neurology, but it ain't rocket science. Consistent behaviors produce consistent results. Random behaviors produce random results. That's nowhere is that more true than in sales and service. Yeah, I, I imagine like so many other, um, you know, managers like myself and Aaron here, we just started picturing in our heads the uh, poor techs whose ticket averages are just ping pong balls versus the mm-hmm. super consistent, high performing robots, for for lack of a yep. better word, who who just go out and do their process, which is dialed in over and over again, and have massive results and usually end up getting home earlier than the random guys. Yep. Yeah. What you run into, if you have that process, it might be a good process. It might be a bad process, but if you have a process and the results aren't following, you at least can start making minute adjustments, changes to that process to get the desired results. 
Um, that's, that's, that's such a great point. And, and that's why I tell people that work for me in my HVAC company or in my speaking company or in my app company, I always tell the salespeople, this is my process. This is the process we're using. Now, when you open your own HVAC company or start your own app, you can do it however the heck you want to do it. But when you're here, you're going to do it my way. And it's not because it's my way. It's because if I know the process that everybody's doing, then I can duplicate that number one. And if somebody comes up with an idea that makes the process a little better, now I can identify, oh, this is the one thing you changed to improve your results. Guess what I can do now? I can teach that to everybody. But if everybody's randomly doing stuff, I don't know why the guys are doing great or doing great. I don't know why the guys are doing poorly or doing poorly. I don't know what's going on because nobody's got a process. Nobody's following the process. But if you have these anomalies, people that are following the same process and all of a sudden they're producing great results, you jump in like, what are you doing? Like, do, do your presentation for me. Oh, that's a little different. But now I can identify what that thing. I can, I, I can isolate that thing and I can teach that thing to everybody else. So it's in everybody's best interest. It's not because it's my way. It's not an ego thing. It's because it's the only way I can manage improving the process. Exactly. Yep. And if it is an, e- if it is an ego thing, you've certainly earned it. <laughs> As my son always tells me, Dad, your uh, your ego is not your amigo. So <laughs> I will tell you this: uh, I'm 50, I'm almost fifty eight years old now, and I will tell you there are very few things good about getting old. <laughs> and the only two that I've been able to figure out is number one is wisdom, because you do get smarter with age. Uh, you think you know it all at twenty five or thirty? I'm telling you, man. Every ten years, you look back in your life. It's like, holy cow, man, if I, could, if I could package and sell all the stuff I learned this year. Listen, 99% of what I've learned in my life, I've learned through failure. When things go right, I make a bunch of money or a deal works out, like half the time I don't even know why. Like, boy, that was great. I wonder what happened. But if I fail, if, if I trip over myself, I guarantee you I will learn a ton from that lesson of failure. So as you get older, you learn a lot. Most of it comes through failure, but you, you do not walk this planet and not pick up new stuff every year. So the one thing's good about getting old is wisdom. The other one, the single most important, it's humility. Mm. Understanding that, hey, I'm riding the wave, but I didn't create the ocean. And some people are riding the wave, and they get it in their head that they created the ocean. And that is, let me say, I wouldn't say it always, it can be a fatal flaw. And sometimes we see people with feet of clay, and they, they have a big meltdown. It's usually because they're taking too much ownership of all the good stuff happening in their life. So I ride the wave. I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to hang 10, but I know I didn't create the ocean. Absolutely. Well, Wally, we, uh, we greatly appreciate you coming on to the show and spending some time with us today. It was great to, uh, get to chat with you again. Um, where would, where would one go to get a hold of your books? Anything, um, anything you got upcoming here soon that you'd like to promote? Uh, well, the big thing I'm working on right now, uh, in fact, you happen to mention J-Dub Moneymaker. Yeah, J-Dub. That's a great guy. So I, I, uh, when I was doing a consulting project for the Bell Brothers out in Sacramento a few years ago, uh, J-Dub asked me to come on his podcast. And I think it, been one of the, I think it may have been the very first episode or one of the first episodes. And when, I inter- when he interviewed me, I'm like, dude, I, gotta get, I, was, I was recruiting new salespeople for Bell Brothers. I said, I got to get you a Bell. So I actually hired him at Bell Brothers. Uh, when I was doing consulting for them a few years back. And of course he came in and killed it and he wanted to be sales manager. And I'll never forget this. Uh, I told him no. And he was really like, I think put out with me. And I said, Jason, I said, you are a Ferrari. I need a minivan. 
managing this team when I leave. Because my job was to go in and build the sales team, bring the manager in. I need a minivan managing my sales team, not a Ferrari. You, my friend, are a Ferrari, and you're not going to be here long enough to do what I need to be done. And he's like, you're right. Here's what I want to do. I want to do speaking, consulting, and blah, blah, blah. And that kid has built the brand faster than anything I've ever seen in my life. So he just recently called me. He's doing another event out in Vacaville, California. I don't even know the date. I don't know any of the details, but he asked me if I'd come out and speak. So I'm going to be doing that with him. I think it's in November, October, November. You can check out uh, Master of uh, the Hustle uh, on Facebook or his website and find out more details. Uh, but me personally, I'm working on the app. That's really my uh, what I'm. Uh, so if you've got any questions about the app, how I can help you with your business, rehashleads.com. And uh, my website is weldonlong.com. If you have questions on the books or something like that, you can always check them out on Amazon or something like that. But uh, I'm easy to find. You can't hide from the internet and uh, we're all over the place out there. Uh, but let me just say that I appreciate this time with you guys as well. And, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of radio and, and podcasts and that kind of stuff. And there are some that come with a lot of great questions and insights. And there are some that you can tell the people really haven't cracked the seal on one of your books and they just want you on there because they think it'll drive their, their audience. Uh, and I really appreciate you guys. The questions were thoughtful. They come from a place of knowledge about my work and also experience in your own work. And I just really appreciate the, uh, the professionalism and attention that you guys gave this interview. I really appreciate that and continued success to you both. And I know you're just going to keep on doing great things. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it, it Wally. Thank truly you. an honor to uh, hear that and an honor to have you on the show. And I just want to uh, repeat, that's WeldonLong.com, W-E-L-D-O-N-L-O-N-G, and yep. H-V-A-C, MastersOfTheHustle.com. Yeah, and don't forget RehashLeads.com. RehashLeads.com, <laughs> most importantly. <laughs> that's, that's a new baby right there. That's it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Wally. It was great speaking with you. All right, gentlemen. Pleasure was mine. Thank you so much. You Bye. Thanks. Hey, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in today with the amount of stuff that is out there to occupy your headspace between calls. We really appreciate that you've given us the opportunity to to talk to you a little bit and impact your day. And we certainly hope that this episode has a, a great impact on your day and your career. Um, just remember that we don't get paid for what we do. We get paid for what we know. And if that's the case, waste no day learning and growing and getting better. And that, that should be every minute of window time between your calls, between phone calls, CSRs, or what have you. Any questions or comments or ideas for an episode or if you think you'd make a, a fun interview or you have something to contribute, go to wastenoday.com. Get a hold of us. Find me on Facebook. Um, find Nate on Facebook and hit us up thank you guys